And now, Greenlight Reviews, hosted by Ann Elder and Les Roberts. Hi, everybody. Welcome once again to Greenlight Reviews. My name is Les Roberts. And I'm Ann Elder. And today, Ann, I'm not sure we should call this Greenlight Reviews. I think we should call it Red Light Reviews. I think I hear you, and I think I get your message. Yeah. You know, I don't want to spoil the suspense for everybody, (laughs) but we're going to talk today about Sex and the City 2. Okie doke. Go ahead. I have to tell you that in Sex and the City 2, Mm -hmm. there is very little sex and there's very little city. That is right. They've made a silly choice to take this story out of Manhattan where it seems to do best and then deposit this mess somewhere over in Abu Dhabi land where the girls are traversing the dunes in 12-inch heels. (laughs) What a stupid decision, but back to the story. Back to the story. Okay. Sarah Jessica Parker, of course, plays Carrie. Kristen Davis is Charlotte. Mm -hmm. Cynthia Nixon is Miranda. And Kim Cattrall is Samantha. And, of course, back in New York, we have Carrie's now husband, Mr. Big, played by Chris Noth. And everybody seems to be very, very frustrated with their marriage at this point and their condition in life. They either are frustrated by a marriage that is not a whirlwind romance anymore. They call it no sparkle left. No sparkle left. Mm -hmm. Charlotte's children are driving her crazy. (laughs) Well, what's the big deal about that? Kids always drive you crazy for moments at a time. That's what kids do. That's why they're put on earth. (laughs) They're frustrated by work and Samantha especially is frustrated by the oncoming menopause. Mm -hmm. So they're surprised when Samantha gets an all-paid vacation to Abu Dhabi to produce a movie and she insists that her three girlfriends go with her. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure any executive producer wanting to back a movie would say, okay, sure, bring all your friends and wine and dine off of us. Oh, come on. Well, anyway, it's a fantasy. It's very much a fantasy, but you know, when it's a fantasy, something exciting, something magical has to happen. Mm -hmm. How many fantasies have you seen? Well, let's talk about it. It's a Wonderful Life. Sure. You know, what a great movie that was. It was total fantasy. Of course it was, but we believed it. We believed in the premise. There is no premise in this movie. These four women wind up in the middle of the desert with approximately 40 costume changes each. Yeah, I know that. (laughs) It's kind of silly. You know, we all can use a little escapism. There's nothing wrong with that. But I really think that the fantasy to work shouldn't be mindless. I think that's what you were getting at, Les, when you talked about It's a Wonderful Life. And in this case, Sex and the City 2, it also takes chances by placing the story in Abu Dhabi because right at the moment, this is a politically tentative, difficult spot. And I think that they were tone deaf when they decided to make the story take place here. I really think it was a dangerous idea and not very clever. There are so many problems with this film that I really did begin to wonder about Michael Patrick King, who wrote, directed, and produced this, because he did a very nice job with the first movie. Yes, he did. I didn't love it. It was an okay movie. But it was okay, because he never lost sight of the main thrust of the story, which is friendship and the bonding between women. That was the glue that kept that movie together, and that's what's missing in this picture, because it's all about costume changes, it's all about not funny jokes, and it's 
all about ladies whining and complaining. I feel that it's really difficult to take these four women seriously when they are carping incessantly about husbands who want to get close to them, about children who are as well-behaved as any other kids. Of course. And women who have a lifestyle that most people would envy. They live in gorgeous apartments with live-in nannies on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. They have good jobs, those that work. And, you know, it's very difficult in today's society to sit there and watch these four women whine all afternoon and all evening in their lives. It just didn't make sense. There was nothing meaty about this movie. And in fact, I felt that it was very insulting to women, feel that it sets back the feminist movement about 100 years, and it doesn't do much for the fashion industry either. That's for sure. There were a lot of quote-unquote one-line jokes in this film. Half of them I can't repeat. No, nor should you, because first of all, they were just silly, sexy, blue material, and they were not sharp enough on any level. They were not. Charlotte is very, very nervous about her nanny, who is quite beautiful and quite busty, as a matter of fact, and she's worried that her husband is going to fall in love with the nanny. Oh, such a 50s concept. The poor lady, whose name, by the way, is Erin, and she is Irish, she runs around without a bra which is bizarre. Yeah. And somebody calls her Erin Gobralis. Now, that yeah. wasn't funny the first time, and that is the funniest joke in the film, as far as I'm concerned. I knew we were in trouble less when Liza Minnelli showed up in the first 10 minutes of this picture singing Beyonce's big hit, Single Ladies, at an all-gay wedding. You know, please, folks, spare me pathetic attempts to be hip and to be sharp and even, shall we say, cutting-edge entertaining. Liza Minnelli being booked for this this movie was kind of sad, actually. It really was sad. I thought the whole thing was tawdry. I wonder if she read the script. I wonder if she knows what's going to happen around her that is going to make her look that ridiculous. But thank goodness it only lasts for a few minutes, and then everybody else looks ridiculous. Okay. When they get over to Abu Dhabi, of all people, Carrie runs into an ex-lover right. of hers, Aiden, played by John Corbett. Right. They go out to dinner. Of course they would. Yeah, so You live what? in New York all your life, and now you're in Abu Dhabi, and you meet an old boyfriend. Of course you have dinner. And they kiss. Oh, you would think they had an affair for 10 years the way she carried on about an innocent kiss. Go ahead. Yes. And of course uh, now she asks all her girlfriends shall I confess this kiss to my husband? (laughs) And when she does he's very, very bent out of shape. I mean, please. Yeah, this is 2010. They're trying to be so au courant but every time they turn around in this plot, they are doing something that smacks of 1950 50s and 1960s. It's the oddest concept. You know, with all of them complaining about the change of life and moaning and groaning about age catching up with them, and of course they are all headed towards the dreaded age of 50, I thought maybe they should call this movie The Sisterhood of the Traveling Depends. (laughs) You got me. (laughs) You're very funny. You know that, don't you? If I could only (laughs) use those kinds of lines to help write a movie like this. You know, we look back on the television series and we are very reverential towards it. I would suggest that when you look back on some of those episodes, you might not be as enchanted with them as you think you are. I feel that they were a little bit dated and a little bit hackneyed back then anyway. But be that as it may, they have a very loyal fan base. I'm talking about the four girls. Sure. And I was surprised 
to see the venomous outcry against this movie when it first opened. People really did not like this picture. And it says a lot to me because even though women out there want this escapism and they love to look at great clothes and they like to hear naughty little revelations about women and their proposed fantasy lives, Mm -hmm. they were extremely disappointed by this movie and they were insulted as I was. So it's not just a generational thing. I really felt it was a whole lot of women who just said, this was awful. This kind of a picture shouldn't have been made. And you know, Les, it always is intriguing to me when I look at the moral values, shall we say, of the actresses involved here. They're all pretty smart women. They're savvy. They've made a ton of money. They know what they're doing. They're hip 2010 women. What made them agree to do this picture? Surely they could have looked at the material and someone said, you know, these lines really, really are not appropriate for women our age. They're not funny and they're politically insulting. Can't we rewrite? But no one did. So does it come down to a matter of dollars and cents for everyone? I suggest that maybe it does, and that's sad. I'm afraid it does. I'm also afraid that when this whole decade and a half show that we have been enjoying, New York City has always been the fifth character with Sex in the City. And to take these women Mm -hmm. out of New York City and put them in, of all places, Abu Dhabi. Right. was no Abu Dhabi honeymoon. (laughs) (laughs) That's for sure. It was an attempt by the filmmakers to be cutting-edge contemporary, and it didn't work. Well, New York is the hippest place in the world anyway. I hated this movie. Anne hates this movie. I'm insulted by the picture. Really, I am. I'm insulted, and I think that actresses should take a more serious role in selecting the parts that they choose to do because they do represent a certain part of the population when they're up on the screen. And to do a movie like this that is so mindless and so boneheaded stupid, it really reflects on them. And I'm sorry for that. They're better than that. I think they're better than that, but they're not better than that in this picture. And for that reason, and I'm sure everybody listening is going to be so surprised when you hear that I am giving this film... A red light. Right. Well, I've got a hot flash for these women. (laughs) This movie really deserves a red light. And I would say if you're anywhere and someone is screening this movie, look the other way. Absolutely. Two red lights for Sex and the City 2. That's how it goes. Again, it stars those four women we have been watching jumping in and out of beds for the last 15 years. Sarah Jessica Parker, Kristen Davis, Cynthia Nixon, and Kim Cattrall. Well, okay, we're going to be back very, very soon with a review of another film. We hope we are going to like it better than Sex and the City 2. Until that time, I'm Les Roberts. I'm Ann Elder. And Greenlight Reviews hopes that we're going to run into all of you seeing a better movie than this one, but certainly wearing better clothes at the movies. Hi, I'm Christina Yerling Biro, host of the podcast Pop Culture Confidential. Join me as I go way behind the scenes with some of the most influential people in entertainment and media. Hear actors such as Succession's Brian Cox talk about his favorite characters to play. There always has to be a mystery. The audience have to be in a situation where they want to know what's going on. Meet studio execs like Pixar chief Pete Docter and learn his secret on how he makes us cry. Emotion is our first language. And so many others who are defining popular culture. 
from Obama speechwriter David Litt to Top Chef host Padma Lakshmi. We don't often think about food politically or we don't want to, but it really is. Join me. Search for Pop Culture Confidential wherever you get your podcasts.